Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting experts straight talk in your ear. These podcasts deliver great interviews with industry leaders and Zweig Group's three decades of invaluable research, leadership, management, marketing, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop personally and professionally, wherever you are. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited that I've got a great episode for you today. I'm here with none other than Renee Azerbegi from Ambient Energy. Uh, Renee is the president of Ambient Energy, and uh, she was recently at a Principals Academy event that we had in Aspen, Colorado, and we got a chance to hang out with her and several other amazing individuals from around the country. And uh, I invited Renee to come on the podcast today to just talk with us a little bit about what sh- what's happening in her neck of the woods. Uh, Ambient Energy is a third-party consulting firm specializing in commissioning, energy analysis, and sustainable design services to deliver high-performance solutions for new and existing commercial buildings. Uh, They have offices in Denver and San Francisco, and they are working towards a resilient and regenerative built environment with buildings that have a positive environment and social impact on the world. That's amazing. You guys are really doing some cool things in the area of renewable energy and commissioning. So Renee, welcome to this Wide Letter Podcast. We're so great. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, there are a couple of things I I would love to chat with you about. I would love to just kind of hear a little bit about you and and your background. I know that you are a a Northern California person and and, uh, you grew up uh, just outside of of Oakland and Orinda, California and uh, the Bay Area, which is a place that's near and dear to my heart. So I, I certainly have to talk with you a little bit about that. But tell us a little bit about your superhero origin story. Where what, what tell us a little bit about Renee. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I grew up yeah in Northern California in the hills in Berkeley, and uh, before moving to Orinda, and we just you know we went out a lot. There was a lake, Lake Anza, right near right where we could walk to, and spend a lot of time at the animal farm there, and just going to the beach and appreciating nature a lot. So I think that um, 
that helped. You know, the more you get out, the more you sort of appreciate nature and want to protect it. Um, and then uh, I think I started, uh, I did a science project, like in eighth grade, on how to capture wave energy. <laughs> um, and then in, in high school, I was, you know, starting up a um, environmental club called the Environment Now Club in my high school. So I think I was always, um, from that experience, I was feeling like leading the way in terms of sustainability. Um, they didn't have recycling in my high school. It's amazing that still schools in Colorado too don't recycle. Um, so I can't believe we're still there. Um, you know, this is like 20 years ago, but I was shocked that we didn't recycle. So um, there's still a long ways to go in school districts in that regard and other things. Um, but um, yeah, and then in college at Berkeley, just um, was into environmental causes and ended up with environmental science and cultural geography degree. Um, went back to get my master's in building systems engineering and CU Boulder because I was really interested in the energy side of things. Um, but yeah, I've always been somewhat of an environmentalist, I guess, which helps. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't, uh, you certainly cannot uh, escape it when you live in the Bay Area. I spent six years there and I became an earthy, crunchy environmentalist in my time there. And it has lasted till this day. And it's been over almost 20 years since I've been gone from the Bay Area, but it really had an indelible impression on me. Um, I live not far from where you grew up uh, in the Berkeley Hills off of Grizzly Peak. And, and you know, recycling was never a way of life for me uh, before I moved to California, Northern California. And then once I got there, it totally changed my mindset. It changed my thinking. And it does cause you just to be more aware. And um, I, I am, you know, it, just what you said is so true about even today with all the knowledge and information that we have, uh, communities um, entities still struggle with this whole idea of renewable energy and recycling and, you know, really t trying to be a better steward for, uh, for the earth. And I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I always enjoy talking with people that work at firms like Ambient Energy because you guys are really coming up with some new ways to, to create a sustainable environment. And to, to um, I mean, obviously you've got your work cut out for you, but there's, there's so much, there's so much that you can do in so many ways that you can impact uh, both, you know, public and private uh, organizations to really, you know, benefit from being a better steward for the earth and, and, and uh, stronger in the area of renewables and, you know, just how they manage their, their facilities. So, I, I, I'm sure you have, I mean, I'm sure you have story after story that you can tell about how you've been able to change people's minds in this area and help them see the benefits of, of, uh, of, of doing things differently. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's all, a lot of it has just to do with starting with education. Like when we talk about energy and people don't know what EUI is, which is some the term that we use day to day, energy use intensity, it's energy, total energy per square foot per year in your building and how you compare energy uh, of buildings of the same kind to each other. And a lot of our codes just say, you just have to meet code for energy, for example. But if we want to talk about, well, how do you make a net zero energy? We really need to start thinking about the total energy consumption in our buildings and know how to speak that language. It's exciting that projects and uh, RFPs, even public ones are now, you know, we're seeing more and more that ask for net zero energy or one water or net zero water 
and really pushing the envelope with um, with different rating systems like Lead Platinum or Living Building Challenge. So it's really exciting to work on um, those projects that are, that are trying to do the most they can to be sustainable. Um, when we talk about regeneration, we're talking about, you know, not just net zero, but how do you impact the earth so that it has a positive effect on the environment, not a negative one. So maybe you're producing a little bit more energy than you need, or um, you're, you're cleaning the water more than it was before, or um, and looking at biodiversity of plant life and how do you attract plant life and animal life to survive in a built world. Um, so that's kind of what we're talking about in our really exciting high-performing projects. Not all of them are there. Some of them are still just trying to meet code. And code's getting stricter, so that's that's helpful because the codes are supposed to be um, by 2020 net zero residential in California. That's just around the corner, and then 2030 we're supposed to be having codes that are net zero by 2030. So it's pretty exciting to be in this field right now. Wow! Wow! So yeah, I mean, I, I, and obviously you don't you don't do any residential work, right? I mean, everything you do is commercial for the most part. Uh, we'll do multifamily. Um, we've done a couple projects here and there that are like net zero residences, but primarily we, we have done uh, commercial commercial work and a multifamily. We're working on a huge uh, eight hundred over eight hundred thousand square foot um, uh, apartment building right by downtown Union Station um, in Denver, for example. And you know, I think we're going to get lead silver but there might be a chance for gold um and it's going it's we're doing some commissioning we're helping them save energy things like that so okay all right well and then for those of those in our audience that might be a little uh, not in the know when it comes to lead would could you give us just a bare bones understanding of the difference between like lead platinum and lead gold and 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 why we should even care about that uh you know when it comes to the buildings that we are creating nowadays Sure. Um, as I mentioned, the codes are getting better and better, and LEED is a green building rating system that tries to recommend things that are beyond code, better than code, and look at not just energy and water, but materials, uh, waste, indoor air quality, um, help and promote healthy buildings. It encompasses many different things, sustainable sites, and how you get to your building in regards to public transportation, encouraging that sort of thing and biking. Um, so it's a really comprehensive rating system and they keep pushing the envelope with a new version. They're out every three or four years. Um, lead version four um, is a the latest one. And lead platinum is really hard to get uh, because the lead platinum in the prior version, which was called lead version 2009, um, some people call it lead V3, that's about the same as a lead gold in lead version four. So a lead platinum in version four is tough to do. Uh, we've worked on the first lead platinum project in Colorado at Fort Collins Utility Administration Building, um, and it it's it also the threshold of points. It's about twenty points more, while the other between certified silver and gold, there's only a ten point difference. So you have to get twenty extra points to go from gold to platinum. So a gold platinum building is exciting, and it's hard to do. Um, one thing that I've heard now, it hasn't been released, but I'm hoping it passes. Is, I don't know if I can release. I've heard that the executive order for the city and county of Denver, they want to say you have to pursue lead platinum and you know justify why you can't do it and why you can only meet gold if that's a potential. So that'll be interesting to see if that ends up really in writing. <laughs> I'm still waiting for it to come out, but that's what I heard they're trying to push. So if that happens, um, our buildings will be even um, greener. And that's for city right. buildings, that is, city right. and county building, uh, owned buildings. 
and San Francisco has a lead gold requirement for their city buildings as well. So pretty tough to do. Yeah. And you've done a number of, of city related projects, right? I know back in the day you did something at the, you did one of your projects was the uh, Denver justice center. Um, and that's, is that considered a city building? Yes. The Denver justice center is a courthouse, a detention center, and a post office and parking garage, three projects really with three different design teams. And that was kind of our first big project in 2005, 2006. And first city project. Um, and that was a great experience to, to work on those buildings. Uh, I think one got, two of them got silver and, and the, uh, one of them got gold. The courthouse got gold, a gold certification. And that was one of the first, uh, Denver city and county Denver, um, lead projects at the time. Um, but very, very significant projects that really, um, showed that lead is possible. You can do really good things back then. It was only at lead silver was the requirement. Um, so they've already pushed it up to gold now. You know, and I'm, I'm just curious about that particular building since we have over a decade of data, what have you gone back to look at the, the environmental impact of that, the footprint of that building and if it has achieved the goal that everyone thought it would achieve when you guys uh, designed it originally? Um, you know, I think that it being one of the first really significant buildings um, at the time, getting to Leap Silver and Gold again uh, was, was a challenge in its, in its own right. I had wished at the time that a lot of our energy efficiency recommendations would, would be implemented um, at the time, and uh, some of them got cut out. But then I heard that there was a retro commissioning study, like an energy study post-construction during occupancy that said, well, you should really recommend these few energy efficiency measures that we had already recommended back in the design phase. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's kind of funny. Um, it would have been cheaper to do it in the beginning. Um, the issue that I have with a with, uh, with lead and in public buildings is unless they say you need to meet this percentage on energy, um, there's not really any requirement for the design teams to save a lot on energy if they don't have to. So just saying lead gold without, and you have to save 20 to 30% on energy. Um, it is not as good as, as if they had that energy requirement, because I could have probably got those measures in if there was some sort of energy requirement. I also hear that the city's thinking about having certain policies that say, well, these certain lead credits are important to us and we right. have to meet those. And so, I mean, I think they've had that, but it hasn't been very strict at all. Not very hard to do. Um, so that's really what's going to push the envelope there, energy and water. Yeah. It's different when you're, when you're spending the taxpayer's money as opposed to a private firm's money, right? Because I, I would imagine that some private companies are like, listen, the more you can save us in energy, the better off right. we'll be. So. Um, it's probably a, probably a different conversation that takes place like that. Right. And, you know, when there's capital budgets and then there's um, energy budgets that come out of a different bucket and the two groups don't talk to each other, it's hard to bring that synergy together. Like, well, you're going to, these measures are actually going to pay for themselves over time and you're going to own this building forever anyway. So it makes a lot of sense to invest in energy efficiency strategies because those are the energy and water say helps pay back while other measures like, you know, Forest Stewardship Council Greenwood doesn't necessarily have a payback, but it's still good to do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so tell me a little bit, because you've been described as a straight shooter, uh, a perfectionist. 
Um, you, you know, you, you get the, there are a lot of tags that have been attributed to you as an individual, as an engineer. And, I, you know, I'm just curious to know, and especially this is really for the women that are listening to this podcast and young ladies that are wanting to get into it, the, the, the engineering field or, you know, that are, are pursuing a STEM career. Well, you know, what's your advice to them and, and what have what have been the biggest challenges for you and how have you overcome them um, to achieve what you guys have achieved? You, you have some in, valuable information to share, you know, with young, especially with young women coming in, you know, coming into their own that are, that want to get into engineering and, you know, the why, you know, why should they and, and, and yeah. you know, how to deal with that? Because it is still a very, and I'm so reminded of it, it's still a very male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious to know, because um, I think when you came to your, to the TPA, were you, you were the only woman in that. No, was there another woman? I think there may Yeah, I know. I was the, I was the only woman other than this white, white, uh, uh, people there. I was the only woman in a group of like 20, um, principals. I was just chuckling. I was like, Oh my gosh, this yeah, is so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's, there's a good example. I mean, that's represents why white represents the AEC community. And here one principal is a woman out of 20 for this training in Aspen, which was fun, but you know, I just thought that was kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> and we're still there, you know, but yeah, I definitely experienced some, uh, a little bit of, I don't know. I, I would just say if for the women out there, don't let anyone tell you, you can't do it. You know, if you really want to do engineering, do engineering. If you want to start, I mean, one of the reasons I started my business is because some guys told me, oh, you can't do that, Renee. <laughs> like, that I wanted to start a sustainability department at my last company. And they're like, oh, there's no, I don't see the economics of that. It's not going to be good for the company. And I said, okay, well, I can go do that on my own, the energy and sustainability bit. So that's kind of how I am getting started 14 years ago. Um <laughs> And I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact that the majority of the board members were men, but um, I don't know. It could be that they really didn't think I had a good business proposition because I didn't know how to write a business plan. I was an engineer, you know, so it could have been that I didn't write a very good business plan, too. So I don't really know why. But Yeah. Yeah. How did you, and I'm curious to know, how did you, um, how did you overcome that aspect of it? Actually putting together a, what, what ultimately became a solid business plan. I mean, you guys are what, almost 30 employees now, um, and, and growing and you've got two offices, both one in Denver, one in San Francisco. So, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. You have, and like you said, in 14 years, you've developed something considerable, but, but, uh, how, you know, what, what, um, what went into that? Do you think? I think, you know, just not wanting to say no to business. I didn't really know where I was going when I started this um, for the first few years. And then we just got more and more work. And then I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're going to actually turn this into a real company. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't like my intent to start a big firm. It just, we, we just kept getting work. So, and then I got a really good business partner, Linda Morrison, um, from six months from starting the company. And she's really helped to help grow it and, and be that sort of guiding force that if I have crazy ideas, she sort of helps me bring it back to reality. And uh, she's been very um, supportive and helpful. And now we have two other um, team leaders and that are doing well. And um, I'm hoping to branch out the company and provide more ownership to some of the staff too. So that's kind of what I'm working on now. What's the next step? <laughs> so. Oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, 
you know, I'd just be curious to know um, with, you know, what, what are some of the, the bigger projects coming down the pipeline for you guys or, or what are you working on right now um, that, that, is, that really has you excited? Yeah, there's a couple projects that are, um, well, there's quite a few projects that are fun. Um, I enjoy what I do, so it's hard to not be excited about projects, but the ones that are pushing the envelope, um, Denver Water, as a, they're redeveloping their campus, and they're going for LEED Platinum for their admin building, Net Zero Energy, One Water, and then all their other buildings are, are LEED certified to a high level. Um, so that's been a fun one to work on because they're pushing the envelope and changing water laws to, to get things done so that other um, agencies and and organizations can replicate in Colorado because we have weird water laws here. And then in San Francisco, working on um, San Francisco International Airport, and they are, Terminal 1, they're doing a lot to um, set the bar and be innovative, and they're always trying to um, push new technologies, and they're also going for elite platinum or, or gold, but they're really um, doing a lot of things more above and beyond most, most agencies. They have their own sustainability guidelines that you have to meet, and there's just a lot, lot going on there with commissioning and doing new things. They're really um, interested in developing news processes and procedures to push the envelope, which is kind of fun. And then DIA is, we're doing a bunch there too at Denver International Airport. Um, sorry, DEN now. And they are, um, we're working on their concourse expansions and we finished their great hall. I'm sorry, their, um, their hotel and transit center, which achieved lead platinum. Um, so we're doing a lot, a lot of that there, and they're also um, trying to figure out how green they want to be and how showy do they want to be in terms of sustainability. We're looking at some fun options for the concourse expansions, which are like electrochromic glazing or PV in the glazing or PV on the roof, or or will we do a solar farm out in the middle of nowhere? So these are all things that are yet to be determined, but um, it'll be interesting to see what Den decides to do and how how green they want to sort of represent the, the airport to be yeah, visually. Yeah. That's, that's actually one of the prettiest airports that I've ever been to. I mean, it just, it looks so cool when you're driving to it from, from downtown Denver, it's like, man, it just sits out there majestically in a big open area. So, um, yeah. Have you seen a new hotel yet? No. What, what hotel? It's, is that? uh, that's very uh, visually interesting as well. It's right in front of the airport. And it's sort of trying to complement, yet it's right in front of the airport. So that's sort of interesting. If you look that up, um, it's actually on our website too. But um, it's it's this interesting design that uh, <clears throat> that's trying to complement the airport. But there's lots of people saying like what it looks like, and it's just been interesting politically too. Oh, okay, I'll have to look that up then for sure. That that, that yeah. what what hotel chain is it? Do you know? It's Weston. So, oh yes, I've been in there. I, I have actually. I had, I had, I had, I had a long layover in Denver, and um, I went in there and, and actually yeah. had a meal. It was really nice. Uh, mm -hmm. The food's actually pretty good there. So, but okay, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, well, cool, cool. Yeah, we'll put a link to the show notes in yeah. there so people can see what, yeah. what you're talking about. Cool. Get it, get an idea. So. Um, yeah. Now, so tell me this: Are you are you going back to? Um, do you go back to Cal to to do any alumni work with the the School of Engineering? Do you what what what? Do you, how do you give back to, you know, the engineering community from that perspective, especially for the young people coming out of school right now? Um, well, we uh, is uh, personally we're like you know life alumni members of Cal and, and also CSU where my husband went and CU Boulder. Um, 
but that's just paying money, right? So, <laughs> but um, also we uh, for we are actually we moved into um, a area higher education campus at Metro State University into their new aerospace and engineering sciences building. We're on the fourth floor in a whole floor of public private partnership partnership. So that's been pretty amazing, and we're taking on um, a couple of interns in the engineering building. So our first one is a sustainable engineering systems graduate. He's gonna be the first one in that program. And we're um, gonna train him in, in, in commissioning and to see where that goes. And then we're gonna bring on a sustainability intern as well. And we're trying to look for more opportunities to partner with Metro State University. We actually have like a, a memorandum of understanding to work together. So that's been pretty fun. Again, we just moved in January. And the building is lead gold and our space we're pursuing uh, well, the well building standards on our space too, which is kind of fun too. It's a great um, big open office area with a big living wall and um, other fun green amenities too. It's right on public transit too. So we can take a light, a lot of us take light rail to work and we got eco passes, so free public transportation passes for everyone. And it's been really nice to have that change. Oh man, and and you live in a state that gets or Denver gets what three hundred days of sunshine a year, some some ridiculous <laughs> amount like that. Yep. So you, there, there's that too. So um, all those mm-hmm. benefits, all all, all of those great benefits rolled up into one. So, um, so so, I guess my my next question would simply be. Um, I'd be curious to know what were, what were some of your big takeaways, and we don't normally talk about our, our events that we do on the podcast, but uh, since you were at the, uh, the the Principals Academy that we recently had in Aspen, we do four of these kind of like MBA boot camp events each each year, and uh, the fifth the fourth one will actually take place um, as of the recording of this particular podcast. The fourth one is in October in Charleston, South Carolina, which should be fun. And we actually have a a large contingent of people that will be there. Um, But I'm just curious to know, what was your big takeaway from the Principals Academy? Did you get any uh, aha moments or was there anything that really – um, that you've, you've actually taken back and tried to implement since, um, since you, since you were in Aspen in June? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had a, basically I'm sort of trying to summarize the whole thing because the whole thing was just great and it was such good information. Um, I was, I was bummed. I didn't know about this about, you know, 14 years ago (laughs) and I could have set up the company a little bit better, but I learned that we actually are set up pretty well and we are pretty organized as a company but I also learned a lot of invaluable um, tips and tricks to take to my team so I'm setting up three different presentations I've already done one of them um, to kind of download the people that need to know uh, our our other team leads and our marketing uh, BD person Um, I'm trying to um, tell them what they need to know basically without giving them two days of PowerPoint presentation. I'm summarizing it into three, like one and a half hour sessions. So that's been really good because then I, it's good for me to go as the owner because they don't need to know all of that. They just need to know what they need to know. Right. So, um, I still have to do the other two, but I, I think I have to do one in two weeks and then another month after that. I did learn that if you do it all in one chunk, it's just like overwhelming and too much information <laughs> to try to summarize. So yeah, it's been great. I really enjoyed it. Okay. 
Well, good, good. I'm glad it was. It was great to have you, and 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 that was just a really good group. Of, certainly, as when we facilitate those, we feed off the energy of the participants in the room, and you guys were a, a really, really cool group to to be with. So, so thank you for that information and feedback. So, uh, if there's, you know, obviously, if there's ever anything uh, that you need as far as uh, kind of implementation wise. We're always here to help. And that goes for anybody listening to this podcast that, you know, we're anybody that's going through trying to grow their organization in the design space. I mean, you know, the benefit that we have is, you know, we have access to people like Mark Zweig who've been there and done that for years. And, you know, he's got the T-shirt to prove it, taking two firms to the Inc. 500 list uh, on multiple occasions. So um, this is something that we know about in terms of running a company and keeping it profitable and, and making making it sustainable, no pun intended, um, for the long term. So, uh, so yeah, certainly we'd love to uh, be able to help you out, uh, those of you that are listening. And, and uh, Renee, we're glad that um, you got something out of uh, that pod, the uh, Principals Academy a couple of months ago. So that's awesome. Um, so, so I guess as, as we wrap up, we've, we've been on here almost 30 minutes now and, and, um, certainly I want to be mindful of your time and we really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, just share a little bit about what you are doing at Ambient Energy and kind of like what your, 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 um, story has been. Um, I, I would just be, I'd be curious to know just a little bit about like, what, what are some of your biggest challenges that you're facing right now? Um, that, that, you know, maybe something that you, you see with other firms in the industry space, uh, what, what are some of the, your biggest concerns, um, with regard to, to the design industry and, and where you guys are going as a company? If you have any, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Um, I think we all have our challenges. Um, I think, our challenge um, is just to that we've pretty much been overcoming is to make sure we hire the best and the brightest and the ones that really care and want to stay for the long term. We've been better and better at doing that. Um, and then another one is just, you know, with that, you have to make sure that you have a great space, you have great benefits, people are happy. So that's really what we've been trying to focus on. Um, and then another one is just making sure we meet our, you know, our goals of growth and whatever. I mean, we just moved into a new space. So I have a challenge personally and also in California to grow it so that they're full, right? So <laughs> I've got a challenge to, to fill up my two spaces because right, we, we moved into two new spaces within uh, three months. So um, I've got some growth just to, to fill the seats, but um, that'll come with time. I'm not like stressed about it at all. Um, and uh what else? I think that's about it. Um, making sure our clients are, are happy and continue to look at us as the best uh, best service providers in the areas that we work. Okay. Well, that's perfect. That's perfect. If you if you wanted to, uh, you know, as we close out, if you wanted to just give a quick, you know, fifteen second elevator pitch, why would somebody hire Ambient Energy? If I'm if I'm in, you know, the greater San Francisco area or in, you know, somewhere in Colorado, why, why, why would I hire you if I'm about to build a building? Um, what, what, what real benefit, tangible benefit would you bring to the table for me as a, as a private, if I'm a private developer and I'm trying to build something? Sure. Um, well, if you're a developer and you want to make sure to uh, maximize 
um, your incentives, for example. We do a lot of work working with owners to maximize incentives for efficiency so that you can you can pay for efficiency measures through utilities, through the federal government. There's lots of uh, different financing mechanisms like PACE is a new one. Um, there's a tax incentive for energy. There's uh, lots of XL energy rebates. So we'd help you with that to help pay for energy improvements. Um, also, you know, just looking at what kind of owner developer are you and what kind of <clears throat> people are going to be occupying your space and working there. So some might care if you're lead, if you're in a lead building or not. Some developers believe that you have to be in a lead certified space to be class A. So if you're building class A office space, for example, you probably have to do lead to what level it might depend on who you're trying to attract. So thinking about who's going to be in your space and, and how much would they care. Um, one private developer that is uh, in Denver, he's building condos luxury condos that are pursuing a well building certification because he believes in the health and wellness benefits of, of well, and he wants his tenants to, to be in healthy spaces. So, I mean, developers are doing this, even the private ones, not just the public ones that are required. We're working with Google right now in Boulder and they're doing uh, lead and they're doing their own um, requirements. They have their own set of requirements as well. And we're helping them through that, that process because, you know, they're Google, they have to do it. Right. So it's, um, it's definitely not just for, public buildings, uh, a lot of commercial developers are, are doing it too, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's getting into it. So that, that's a perfect uh, sample of how you can help somebody uh, be more efficient in um, the the projects that they undertake to whatever types of buildings that they want to build. Um, lastly, because I'm just curious about this, since this is the space that you work in, is your home, What what have you done to your home to make it renewable and, and to make it energy efficient have you i'm just curious to know if you i'd like to learn something from you as far as far as that's concerned sure yeah absolutely we are in a net zero electric home um which oh my god <laughs> which means that uh we produce more electricity than we consume we have two different sets of solar panels um about let's say four kilowatts total and we also have solar hot water heating panels um when we redid our kitchen and our bathrooms, we used sustainable local products um, where we could, wherever we could find them, um, and low VOC. So we really thought about, you know, every product has to be green. It's the same way with our office. Every product that we have has to be green in some way. Um, it's just because we walk the talk, you know, and we believe in it. So, I mean, I think one debatable thing in Colorado is about natural gas versus electricity. So we still use natural gas um, for our um, boiler system that serves our baseboard heating and our domestic hot water, but a lot of that's offset in the summer pretty much entirely by our solar water heating panels, but we're okay with using some natural gas. Some people say you should switch your natural gas to all electric, but um, in Colorado, we're still not, I don't think, green enough to do that until our electricity grid is, is more green, less coal, for example. Um, We'll, we'll do that when it's the right time, but I, I'm not convinced it's the right time to do that yet. But but others in the environmental community are, so it's kind of a big debate. <laughs> okay. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. I, now you got me excited. We just purchased a new house, and, and I, I want to do some things to it. And I don't know if we, we'll be able to get the solar panels and all that, but you know we'll have to look into those options. So I, I'm assuming you that means you get a credit back from the electric company. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, I actually get a check. It's or? not for very much. I get How a check for work? 2 to $4 every month from Excel Energy. <laughs> wow, that's cool. 
So instead of having to pay an electric bill, you get a check in the right, mail. Right, so, yeah. And, so and, well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> Renee, Renee is walking the walk and talking the talk. So, Renee, we really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to be on the Zweigletter podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And uh, if people want to reach out to you and just connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, sure. They can email me at uh, razorbaggy at ambient-e.com. Yeah, I, I, will, I will put a link podcast. out. Yeah, it is a long one and some people may spell it, but I will put it, uh, all the all the information for Renee will be on the show notes. I'll actually even link to her LinkedIn profile so that you can learn a little bit more about her and about uh, ambient energy and all the amazing things that they're doing both in Colorado and in California and anybody that wants to connect with her, feel free to do so. Uh, and we'll, and we'll, we'll sure, certainly make that happen in the show notes. So, but again, thank you so much for, for being on the Zweig Letter podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And um, uh, I look forward to connecting with you again in the near future. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thanks, Randy. It's uh, good to connect with you again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, folks, there you have it. Renee Azarbegi from Ambient Energy, uh, based in Denver, Colorado, but they also have an office in San Francisco. They're doing some amazing things when it comes to commissioning and renewable energy and energy analysis. And certainly I would encourage you to reach out to Renee if you ever have any questions about uh, what they're doing and, and um, you know what's, what's next on the plate for those guys. So uh, thank you so much for listening to this Wide Letter Podcast. As always, we're here to serve your needs in the design industry. Our goal is to elevate the industry with new discussions, new thoughts, new ideas. And uh, just like this episode today, that's why we do this White Letter podcast on a regular basis for you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, also wanted to let you know and remind you that we always have a gift for you because what would be what would be a relationship without giving something? And that gift is essentially this a copy of the Zweig Letter, a digital version of it on a weekly basis. Um, the Zweig Letter has run continuously since 1992. It is an outstanding newsletter for the design space, and uh, I can't think of 12 pages that I don't I, I prefer to read every week, which is the Zweig Letter, and it comes out every Monday at noon. And uh, you can get it for free. Just visit. Zweiggroup.com. That's Z-W-E-I-G group.com and click on the Zweig letter icon and just add your email, your name and your email. And that's it. There's no spam. There's no nothing. You'll get a, a, a nice PDF copy of the Zweig letter podcast every Monday. And uh, you can share it with your office. If you want to sign up your whole office, you can do that as well. So just encourage you. That's our gift to you, the listener. And we really appreciate uh, appreciate you listening to this podcast. And also just want to let you know that this podcast is available on, on a wide variety of formats, including Stitcher and SoundCloud, uh, Google Play. You can get it on iTunes, of course. And if you get a chance on whatever um, platform you use for podcasting, please give us a, a, a review and a rating. We love five-star reviews and ratings. And remember, sharing is caring. So share, share this podcast with a friend if it's been, um, if it has impacted you in any way. And uh, keep, keep the process moving. We want to get the, this podcast out into as many hands as possible in the design industry. So I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and once again, you've been listening to the Zweig Letter Podcast. Listen, I hope you go out and have a wonderful day and continue to elevate the design industry one step at a time. Take care and bye for now. 
Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter podcast episode. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about M&A, strategic planning, HR, and marketing your firm, subscribe now to the digital version of the Zweig Letter free of charge. Just visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe and leave your email address. Your free subscription will begin immediately.